Chapter thirty three of Cousin Betty by Honore de Balzac. Translated by James Waring. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter thirty three. The words spoken by Lisbeth, he begs of his former mistresses, haunted the Baroness all night like sick men given over by the physicians who have recourse to quacks like men who have fallen into the lowest dantesque circle of despair or drowning creatures who mistake a floating stick for a hawser she ended by believing in the baseness of which the mere idea had horrified her and it occurred to her that she might apply for help to one of those terrible women next morning without consulting her children or saying a word to anybody she went to see mademoiselle josepha mira prima donna of the royal academy of music to find or to lose the hope that had gleamed before her like a will-o'-the-wisp at midday the great singer's waiting-maid brought her in the card of the baron hulot saying that this person was waiting at the door having asked whether mademoiselle could receive her are the rooms done yes mademoiselle and the flowers fresh yes mademoiselle just tell jean to look round and see that everything is as it should be before showing the lady in and treat her with the greatest respect go and come back to dress me i must look my very best she went to study herself in the long glass now to put our best foot foremost said she to herself vice under arms to meet virtue poor woman what can she want of me i cannot bear to see the noble victim of outrageous fortune and she sang through the famous aria as the maid came in again madame said the girl the lady has a nervous trembling offer her some orange water some rum some broth i did mademoiselle but she declines everything and says it is an infirmity a nervous complaint where is she in the big drawing-room well make haste child give me my smartest slippers the dressing-gown embroidered by bijou and no end of lace frills do my hair in a way to astonish a woman this woman plays a part against mine and tell the lady for she is a real great lady my girl nay more she is what you will never be a woman whose prayers can rescue souls from your purgatory tell her i was in bed as i was playing last night and that i am just getting up the baroness shown into josepha's handsome drawing-room did not note how long she was kept waiting there though it was a long half-hour this room entirely redecorated even since josepha had had the house was hung with silk in purple and gold colour the luxury which fine gentlemen were wont to lavish on their petite maison the scenes of their profligacy of which the remains still bear witness to the follies from which they were so aptly named was displayed to perfection thanks to modern inventiveness in the four rooms opening into each other where the warm temperature was maintained by a system of hot air pipes with invisible openings the baroness quite bewildered examined each work of art with the greatest amazement here she found fortunes accounted for that melt in the crucible under which pleasure and vanity feed the devouring flames this woman who for twenty-six years had lived among the dead relics of imperial magnificence whose eyes were accustomed to carpets patterned with faded flowers rubbed gilding 
silks as forlorn as her heart half understood the powerful fascinations of vice as she studied its results it was impossible not to wish to possess these beautiful things these admirable works of art the creation of the unknown talent which abounds in paris in our day and produces treasures for all europe each thing had the novel charm of unique perfection the models being destroyed every vase every figure every piece of sculpture was the original this is the crowning grace of modern luxury to own the thing which is not vulgarized by the two thousand wealthy citizens whose notion of luxury is the lavish display of the splendors that shops can supply is the stamp of true luxury the luxury of the fine gentlemen of the day the shooting stars of the paris firmament as she examined the flower-stands filled with the choicest exotic plants mounted in chaste brass and inlaid in the style of boule the baroness was scared by the idea of the wealth in this apartment and this impression naturally shed a glamour over the person round whom all this profusion was heaped adeline imagined that josepha mirat whose portrait by joseph bridau was the glory of the adjoining boudoir must be a singer of genius a malibran and she expected to see a real star she was sorry she had come but she had been prompted by a strong and so natural a feeling by such purely disinterested devotion that she collected all her courage for the interview besides she was about to satisfy her urgent curiosity to see for herself what was the charm of this kind of women that they could extract so much gold from the miserly ore of paris mud the baroness looked at herself to see if she were not a blot on all this splendor but she was well dressed in her velvet gown with a little cape trimmed with beautiful lace and her velvet bonnet of the same shade was becoming seeing herself still as imposing as any queen always a queen even in her fall she reflected that the dignity of sorrow was a match for the dignity of talent at last after much opening and shutting of doors she saw josepha the singer bore a strong resemblance to allori's judith which dwells in the memory of all who have ever seen it in the pity palace near the door of one of the great rooms she had the same haughty mien the same fine features black hair simply knotted and a yellow wrapper with little embroidered flowers exactly like the brocade worn by the immortal homicide conceived of by bronzino's nephew madame la baronne i am quite overwhelmed by the honor you do me in coming here said the singer resolved to play her part as a great lady with a grace she pushed forward an easy chair for the baroness and seated herself on a stool she discerned the faded beauty of the woman before her and was filled with pity as she saw her shaken by the nervous palsy that on the least excitement became convulsive she could read at a glance the saintly life described to her of old by hulot and crevel and she not only ceased to think of a contest with her she humiliated herself before a superiority she appreciated the great artist could admire what the courtesan laughed to scorn 
mademoiselle despair brought me here it reduces us to any means a look in josepha's face made the baroness feel that she had wounded the woman from whom she hoped for so much and she looked at her her beseeching eyes extinguished the flash in josepha's the singer smiled it was a wordless dialogue of pathetic eloquence it is now two years and a half since monsieur hulot left his family and i do not know where to find him though i know that he lives in paris said the baroness with emotion a dream suggested to me the idea an absurd one perhaps that you may have interested yourself in monsieur hulot if you could enable me to see him oh mademoiselle i would pray heaven for you every day as long as i live in this world two large tears in the singer's eyes told what her reply would be madame said she i have done you an injury without knowing you but now that i have the happiness of seeing in you the most perfect virtue on earth believe me i am sensible of the extent of my fault i repent sincerely and believe me i will do all in my power to remedy it she took madame hulot's hand and before the lady could do anything to hinder her she kissed it respectfully even humbling herself to bend one knee then she rose as proud as when she stood on the stage in the part of mathilde and rang the bell go on horseback said she to the manservant and kill the horse if you must to find little bijou rue saint maur du temple and bring her here put her into a coach and pay the coachman to come at a gallop do not lose a moment or you lose your place madame she went on coming back to the baroness and speaking to her in respectful tones you must forgive me as soon as the duc d'herouville became my protector i dismissed the baron having heard that he was ruining his family for me what more could i do in an actress's career a protector is indispensable from the first day of her appearance on the boards our salaries do not pay half our expenses we must have a temporary husband i did not value monsieur hulot who took me away from a rich man a conceited idiot old crevel would undoubtedly have married me so he told me said the baroness interrupting her well then you see madame i might at this day have been an honest woman with only one legitimate husband you have many excuses mademoiselle said adeline and god will take them into account but for my part far from reproaching you i came on the contrary to make myself your debtor in gratitude madame for nearly three years i have provided for monsieur le baron's necessities you interrupted the baroness with tears in her eyes oh what can i do for you i can only pray i and monsieur le duc d'herouville the singer said a noble soul a true gentleman and josepha related the settling and marriage of monsieur Toule and so thanks to you mademoiselle the baron has wanted nothing we have done our best to that hand madame and where is he now about six months ago monsieur le duc told me that the baron known to the notary by the name of toul had drawn all the eight thousand francs that were to have been paid to him in fixed sums once a quarter replied josepha 
we have heard no more of the baron neither i nor monsieur d'herouville our lives are so full we artists are so busy that i really have not time to run after old toul as it happens for the last six months bijou who works for me his what shall i say his mistress said madame hulot his mistress repeated josepha has not been here mademoiselle olympe bijou is perhaps divorced divorce is common in the thirteenth arrondissement josepha rose and foraging among the rare plants in her stands made a charming bouquet for madame hulot whose expectations it may be said were by no means fulfilled like those worthy folk who take men of genius to be a sort of monsters eating drinking walking and speaking unlike other people the baroness had hoped to see josepha the opera singer the witch the amorous and amusing courtesan she saw a calm and well-mannered woman with the dignity of talent the simplicity of an actress who knows herself to be at night a queen and also better than all a woman of the town whose eyes attitude and demeanour paid full and ungrudging homage to the virtuous wife the mater dolorosa of the sacred hymn and who was crowning her sorrows with flowers as the madonna is crowned in italy madame said the man-servant reappearing at the end of half an hour madame bijou is on her way but you are not to expect little olympe your needlewoman madame is settled in life she is married more or less said josepha no madame really married she is at the head of a very fine business she has married the owner of a large and fashionable shop on which they have spent millions of francs on the boulevard des italiens and she has left the embroidery business to her sister and mother she is madame grenouville the fat tradesman a crevel yes madame said the man well he has settled thirty thousand francs a year on mademoiselle bijou by the marriage articles and her elder sister they say is going to be married to a rich butcher your business looks rather hopeless i am afraid said josepha to the baroness monsieur le baron is no longer where i lodged him ten minutes later madame bijou was announced josepha very prudently placed the baroness in the boudoir and drew the curtain over the door you would scare her said she to madame hulot she would let nothing out if she suspected that you were interested in the information leave me to catechize her hide there and you will hear everything it is a scene that is played quite as often in real life as on the stage well mother bijou she said to an old woman dressed in tartan stuff and who looked like a porter's wife in her sunday best so you are all very happy your daughter is in luck oh happy as for that my daughter gives us a hundred francs a month while she rides in a carriage and eats off silver plate she is a millionaire is my daughter olympe might have lifted me above labor to have to work at my age is that being good to me she ought not to be ungrateful for she owes her beauty to you replied josepha but why did she not come to see me it was i who placed her in ease by settling her with my uncle yes madame with old monsieur toul but he is very old and broken but what have you done with him is he with you 
she was very foolish to leave him he is worth millions now heaven above us cried the mother what did i tell her when she behaved so badly to him and he as mild as milk poor old fellow oh didn't she just give it him hot olympe was perverted madame but how she got to know a claquer madame saving your presence a man paid to clap you know the grand-nephew of an old mattress-picker of the faubourg saint marceau this good-for-naught as all your good-looking fellows are paid to make a piece go is the cock of the walk out on the boulevard du temple where he works up the new plays and takes care that the actresses get a reception as he calls it first he has a good breakfast in the morning then before the play he dines to be up to the mark as he says in short he is a born lover of billiards and drams but that is not following a trade as i said to olympe it is a trade men follow unfortunately said josepha well the rascal turned olympe's head and he madame did not keep good company when i tell you he was very near being nabbed by the police in a tavern where thieves meet however monsieur brolard the leader of the claque got him out of that he wears gold earrings and he lives by doing nothing hanging on to women who are fools about these good-looking scamps he spent all the money monsieur toul used to give to the child then the business was going to grief what embroidery brought in went out across the billiard-table however the young fellow had a pretty sister madame who like her brother lived by hook and by crook and no better than she should be neither over in the students quarter one of the sluts at the chaumiere said josepha so madame said the old woman so edamore his name is edamore leastways that is what he calls himself for his real name is chardin edamore fancied that your uncle had a deal more money than he owned to and he managed to send his sister elodie and that was a stage name he gave her to send her to be a workwoman at our place without my daughter's knowing who she was and gracious goodness but that girl turned the whole place topsy-turvy she got all those poor girls into mischief impossible to whitewash them saving your presence and she was so sharp she won over poor old tool and took him away and we don't know where and left us in a pretty fix with a lot of bills coming in to this day as ever is we have not been able to settle up but my daughter who knows all about such things keeps an eye on them as they fall due then when ida moore saw he had got hold of the old man through his sister you understand he threw over my daughter and now he has got hold of a little actress at the funambule and that was how my daughter came to get married as you will see but you must know where the mattress-picker lives said josepha what old chardin as if he lived anywhere at all he is drunk by six in the morning he makes a mattress once a month he hangs about the wine-shops all day he plays at pools he plays at pools said josepha you do not understand madame pools of billiards i mean and he wins three or four a day and then he drinks water out of the pools i suppose said josepha 
but if edamore haunts the boulevard by inquiring through my friend Rollard, we could find him i don't know madame all this was six months ago edamore was one of the sort who were bound to find their way into the police courts and from that to melun and the who knows to the prison yard said josepha well madame you know everything said the old woman smiling well if my girl had never known that scamp she would now be still she was in luck all the same you will say for monsieur grenouville fell so much in love with her that he married her and what brought that about olympe was desperate madame when she found herself left in the lurch for that little actress and she took a rod out of pickle for her i can tell you my word but she gave her a dressing and when she had lost poor old tool who worshipped her she would have nothing more to say to the men wherever monsieur grenouville who had been dealing largely with us to the tune of two hundred embroidered china crepe shawls every quarter he wanted to console her but whether or no she would not listen to anything without the mayor and the priest i mean to be respectable said she or perish and she stuck to it monsieur grenouville consented to marry her on condition of her giving us all up and we agreed for a handsome consideration said josepha with her usual perspicacity yes madame ten thousand francs and an allowance to my father who is past work i begged your daughter to make old tool happy and she has thrown me over that is not fair i will take no interest in any one for the future that is what comes of trying to do good benevolence certainly does not answer as a speculation olympe ought at least to have given me notice of this jobbing now if you find the old man tool within a fortnight i will give you a thousand francs it will be a hard task my good lady still there are a good many five-franc pieces in a thousand francs and i will try to earn your money good morning then madame bijou on going into the boudoir the singer found that madame hulot had fainted but in spite of having lost consciousness her nervous trembling kept her still perpetually shaking as the pieces of a snake that has been cut up still wriggle and move strong salts cold water and all the ordinary remedies were applied to recall the baroness to her senses or rather to the apprehension of her sorrows ah mademoiselle how far has he fallen cried she recognizing josepha and finding that she was alone with her take heart madame replied the actress who had seated herself on a cushion at adeline's feet and was kissing her hands we shall find him and if he is in the mire well he must wash himself believe me with people of good breeding it is a matter of clothes allow me to make up for you the harm i have done you for i see how much you are attached to your husband in spite of his misconduct or you should not have come here well you see the poor man is so fond of women if you had had a little of our dash you would have kept him from running about the world for you would have been what we can never be all the women man wants the state ought to subsidize a school of manners for honest women but governments are so prudish still they are guided by men whom we privately guide 
my word i pity nations but the matter in question is how you can be helped and not to laugh at the world well madame be easy go home again and do not worry i will bring your hector back to you as he was as a man of thirty ah mademoiselle let us go to see that madame crenouville said the baroness she surely knows something perhaps i may see the baron this very day and be able to snatch him at once from poverty and disgrace madame i will show you the deep gratitude i feel towards you by not displaying the stage-singer josepha the duc d'herouville's mistress in the company of the noblest saintliest image of virtue i respect you too much to be seen by your side this is not acted humility it is sincere homage you make me sorry madame that i cannot tread in your footsteps in spite of the thorns that tear your feet and hands but it cannot be helped i am one with art as you are one with virtue poor child said the baroness moved amid her own sorrows by a strange sense of compassionate sympathy i will pray to god for you for you are the victim of society which must have theatres when you are old repent you will be heard if god vouchsafes to hear the prayers of a of a martyr madame josepha put in and she respectfully kissed the baroness's skirt but adeline took the actress's hand and drawing her towards her kissed her on the forehead colouring with pleasure josepha saw the baroness into the hackney coach with the humblest politeness it must be some visiting lady of charity said the man-servant to the maid for she does not do so much for any one not even for her dear friend madame jenny cadine wait a few days said she and you will see him madame or i renounce the god of my fathers and that from a jewess you know is a promise of success at the very time when madame hulot was calling on josepha victorin in his study was receiving an old woman of about seventy-five who to gain admission to the lawyer had used the terrible name of the head of the detective force the man-in-waiting announced madame de saint estelle i have assumed one of my business names said she taking a seat victorin felt a sort of internal chill at the sight of this dreadful old woman though handsomely dressed she was terrible to look upon for her flat colourless strongly marked face furrowed with wrinkles expressed a sort of cold malignity marat as a woman of that age might have been like this creature a living embodiment of the reign of terror this sinister old woman's small pale eyes twinkled with a tiger's bloodthirsty greed her broad flat nose with nostrils expanded into oval cavities breathed the fires of hell and resembled the beak of some evil bird of prey the spirit of intrigue lurked behind her low cruel brow long hairs had grown from her wrinkled chin betraying the masculine character of her schemes anyone seeing that woman's face would have said that artists had failed in their conceptions of mephistopheles my dear sir 
she began with a patronizing air i have long since given up active business of any kind what i have come to you to do i have undertaken for the sake of my dear nephew whom i love more than i could love a son of my own now the head of the police to whom the president of the council said a few words in his ear as regards yourself in talking to monsieur chapuzot thinks as the police ought not to appear in a matter of this description you understand they gave my nephew a free hand but my nephew will have nothing to say to it except as before the council he will not be seen in it then your nephew is you have hit it and i am rather proud of him said she interrupting the lawyer for he is my pupil and he soon could teach his teacher we have considered this case and have come to our own conclusions will you hand over thirty thousand francs to have the whole thing taken off your hands i will make a clean sweep of all and you need not pay till the job is done do you know the persons concerned no my dear sir i look for information from you what we are told is that a certain old idiot has fallen into the clutches of a widow this widow of nine-and-twenty has played her cards so well that she has forty thousand francs a year of which she has robbed two fathers of families she is now about to swallow down eighty thousand francs a year by marrying an old boy of sixty-one she will thus ruin a respectable family and hand over this vast fortune to the child of some lover by getting rid at once of the old husband that is the case as stated quite correct said victorin my father-in-law monsieur crevel formerly a perfumer a mayor yes i live in his district under the name of Mme nourrisson said the woman the other person is madame marneffe i do not know said madame de saint esteve but within three days i will be in a position to count her shifts can you hinder the marriage asked victorin how far have they got to the second time of asking we must carry off the woman to-day is sunday there are but three days for they will be married on wednesday no doubt that is impossible but she may be killed victorin hulot started with an honest man's horror at hearing these five words uttered in cold blood murder said he and how could you do it for forty years now monsieur we have played the part of fate replied she with terrible pride and do just what we will in paris more than one family even in the faubourg saint germain has told me all its secrets i can tell you i have made and spoiled many a match i have destroyed many a will and saved many a man's honour i have in there and she tapped her forehead a store of secrets which are worth thirty-six thousand francs a year to me and you you will be one of my lambs oh, could such a woman as i am be what i am if she revealed her ways and means i act whatever i may do sir will be the result of an accident you need feel no remorse you will be like a man cured by a clairvoyant 
by the end of the month it seems all the work of nature victorin broke out in a cold sweat the sight of an executioner would have shocked him less than this prolix and pretentious sister of the hulks as he looked at her purple-red gown she seemed to him dyed in blood madame i do not accept the help of your experience and skill if success is to cost anybody's life or the least criminal act is to come of it you are a great baby monsieur replied the woman you wish to remain blameless in your own eyes while you want your enemy to be overthrown victorin shook his head in denial yes she went on you want this madame marneffe to drop the prey she has between her teeth but how do you expect to make a tiger drop his piece of beef can you do it by patting his back and saying poor puss you are illogical you want a battle fought but you object to blows well i grant you the innocence you are so careful over i have always found that there was material for hypocrisy in honesty one day three months hence a poor priest will come to beg of you forty thousand francs for a pious work a convent to be rebuilt in the levant in the desert if you are satisfied with your lot give the good man the money you will pay more than that into the treasury it will be a mere trifle in comparison with what you will get i can tell you she rose standing on the broad feet that seemed to overflow her satin shoes she smiled bowed and vanished the devil has a sister said victorin rising he saw the hideous stranger to the door a creature called up from the dens of the police as on the stage a monster comes up from the third cellar at the touch of a fairy's wand in a ballet extravaganza after finishing what he had to do at the courts victorin went to call on monsieur chapuzot the head of one of the most important branches of the central police to make some inquiries about the stranger finding monsieur chapuzot alone in his office victorin thanked him for his help you sent me an old woman who might stand for the incarnation of the criminal side of paris monsieur chapuzot laid his spectacles on his papers and looked at the lawyer with astonishment i should not have taken the liberty of sending anybody to see you without giving you notice beforehand or a line of introduction said he then it was monsieur le prefet i think not said chapuzot the last time that the prince de wissembourg dined with the minister of the interior he spoke to the prefet of the position in which you find yourself a deplorable position and asked him if you could be helped in any friendly way the prefet who was interested by the regrets his excellency expressed as to this family affair did me the honour to consult me about it ever since the present prefet has held the reins of this department so useful and so vilified he has made it a rule that family matters are never to be interfered in he is right in principle and in morality but in practice he is wrong in the forty-five years that i have served in the police it did from seventeen ninety nine till eighteen fifteen great services in family concerns 
since eighteen twenty a constitutional government and the press have completely altered the conditions of existence so my advice indeed was not to intervene in such a case and the prefet did me the honor to agree with my remarks the head of the detective branch has orders in my presence to take no steps so if you have had any one sent to you by him he will be reprimanded it might cost him his place the police will do this or that is easily said the police the police but my dear sir the marshal and the ministerial council do not know what the police is the police alone knows the police but as for ours only fouche monsieur lenoir and monsieur de sartine have had any notion of it everything is changed now we are reduced and disarmed i have seen many private disasters develop which i could have checked with five grains of despotic power we shall be regretted by the very men who have crippled us when they like you stand face to face with some moral monstrosities which ought to be swept away as we sweep away mud in public affairs the police is expected to foresee everything or when the safety of the public is involved but the family it is sacred i would do my utmost to discover and hinder a plot against the king's life i would see through the walls of a house but as to laying a finger on a household or peeping into private interests never so long as i sit in this office i should be afraid of what of the press monsieur le député of the left centre what then can i do said hulot after a pause well you are the family said the official that settles it you can do what you please but as to helping you as to using the police as an instrument of private feelings and interests how is it possible there lies you see the secret of the persecution necessary but pronounced illegal by the bench which was brought to bear against the predecessor of our present chief detective bibi lupin undertook investigations for the benefit of private persons this might have led to great social dangers with the means at his command the man would have been formidable an underlying fate but in my place said hulot why you ask my advice you who sell it replied monsieur chapuzot come come my dear sir you are making fun of me hulot bowed to the functionary and went away without seeing that gentleman's almost imperceptible shrug as he rose to open the door and he wants to be a statesman said chapuzot to himself as he returned to his reports victorin went home still full of perplexities which he could confide to no one at dinner the baroness joyfully announced to her children that within a month their father might be sharing their comforts and end his days in peace among his family oh i would gladly give my three thousand six hundred francs a year to see the baron here cried lisbeth but my dear adeline do not dream beforehand of such happiness i entreat you lisbeth is right said celestine my dear mother wait till the end the baroness all feeling and all hope related her visit to josepha expressed her sense of the misery of such women in the midst of good fortune 
and mentioned chardin the mattress-picker the father of the oran storekeeper thus showing that her hopes were not groundless by seven next morning lisbeth had driven in a hackney coach to the quai de la tournelle and stopped the vehicle at the corner of the rue de poissy go to the rue des bernardins said she to the driver number seven a house with an entry and no porter go up to the fourth floor ring at the door to the left on which you will see mademoiselle chardin lace and shawls mended she will answer the door ask for the chevalier she will say he is out say in reply yes i know but find him for his bun is out on the quay in a coach and wants to see him twenty minutes later an old man who looked about eighty with perfectly white hair and a nose reddened by the cold and a pale wrinkled face like an old woman's came shuffling slowly along in list slippers a shiny alpaca overcoat hanging on his stooping shoulders no ribbon at his buttonhole the sleeves of an undervest showing below his coat cuffs and his shirt front unpleasantly dingy he approached timidly looked at the coach recognized lisbeth and came to the window why my dear cousin what a state you are in elodie keeps everything for herself said baron hulot those chardins are a blackguard crew will you come home to us oh no no cried the old man i would rather go to america adeline is on the scent oh if only some one would pay my debts said the baron with a suspicious look for Samanon is after me we have not paid up the arrears yet your son still owes a hundred thousand francs poor boy and your pension will not be free before seven or eight months if you will wait a minute i have two thousand francs here the baron held out his hand with fearful avidity give it me lisbeth and may god reward you give it me i know where to go but you will tell me old wretch yes yes then i can wait eight months for i have discovered a little angel a good child an innocent thing not old enough to be depraved do not forget the police court said lisbeth who flattered herself that she would some day see hulot there no it is in the rue de charonne said the baron a part of the town where no fuss is made about anything no one will ever find me there i am called pere torec lisbeth and i shall be taken for a retired cabinet-maker the girl is fond of me and i will not allow my back to be shorn any more no that has been done said lisbeth looking at his coat supposing i take you there baron hulot got into the coach deserting mademoiselle elodie without taking leave of her as he might have tossed aside a novel he had finished in half an hour during which baron hulot talked to lisbeth of nothing but little atala Giudici, for he had fallen by degrees to those base passions that ruin old men she set him down with two thousand francs in his pocket in the rue de charonne faubourg saint antoine at the door of a doubtful and sinister-looking house good day cousin so now you are to be called torec i suppose send none but commissionaires if you need me and always take them from different parts trust me oh i am really very lucky 
said the baron his face beaming with the prospect of new and future happiness no one can find him there said lisbeth and she paid the coach at the boulevard beaumarchais and returned to the rue louis le grand in the omnibus End of chapter 33